0: pack family going to the mission field of japan and our presentation will be on tuesday night and we'll give you a little more information about that and how the lord uh directed us uh to this calling and then also giving you more information about this needy country uh but at this time if you have bibles let's go to uh matthew please and matthew chapter 16 as i've been on deputation for the last 10 months or so uh The Lord has uh, revealed to me, it's not really about the size of the church, but the spirit of the church. And uh, what a wonderful uh, uh, dual blessing that you both have here. Uh, You certainly do have the size. I mean, God has blessed you with many people in this church and uh, even children's ministry and youth ministry, and uh, God is changing people's lives. But at the same time, you have a wonderful spirit. And uh, thank you so much for loving our Savior and uh, also loving people. And when I see the smiles on your face, I see the joy of Christ. And thank you so much for your encouragement. And our hearts has been touched. And thank you so much for your testimony. And uh, it's been a great, wonderful encouragement. And we've just been here for just the first day. And, so, uh, and we're looking forward to the next two more days as well. If you are, let's, have, uh, let's turn to that scripture there in Matthew 16, verse 26. And uh, we'll just read one verse there. I'd like to preach to you on the topic called the value of souls as we have this missions conference. The Bible says in verse 26, it says here, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And let's have a word of prayer that God will bless this time together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this great church that you have set up here about 60 years ago, and thank you so much for great men of God who have uh, preached on this platform and uh, thank you so much for Pastor Keeley uh, coming by faith and and, uh, building this church by your power and by your grace and it's very obvious that you have blessed and thank you so much for uh, the people that are sitting here and they could testify uh, how you have changed their lives and you have given them a different direction. And uh, as we think about our salvation and what you have done for us, I pray you help us to carry this good news, the gospel that we know, to someone who is really needy, a person who doesn't know Christ as their Savior, a person who doesn't know where destination would be. I pray you give us that compassion today. Help us not to be indifferent or apathetic. Help us not to be so busy that we're not looking at the souls of people that are around us, and not only in the community that we live in, but around the world. And thank you so much for being our hope, and I pray that you help us to share this hope to other people and bless this brief message to this morning, and I pray that you be glorified, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think all of us would agree that most of our lives are driven and prioritized by what we value most you know uh, I think all of us will have some similarities and differences in life and everyone has different backgrounds and different trade of work and maybe a different size of uh, family members and and as we think about our priorities and also our values I think we could also we could always conclude the fact that we do have a lot of similarities similarities because we are human by nature And uh, all of us have some different values and priorities that will be in common. And I think one thing that is in common is that we value our jobs and careers. And the jobs that we have and also the career that we hold every single week is very important to us. And uh, it's because we have the blessings of mortgage payments. And uh, we have the blessings of car payments and we have the blessings of paying all the bills and, and your children might be into sports and, and you have to pay for that. And you have different seasons of uh, maybe uh, uh, different expenses that you might have. So you have a job, you have a career and, uh, and you want to make sure that you are providing for your family. And I believe that God has given us direct command from the New Testament that we should, we should provide for our family. Because the Bible is very clear that if we don't provide for our family, then we become infidels. So we must make sure that we have a a job or career or maybe uh, something that would provide for our family and for ourselves. So we go to work maybe 40 hours a week or maybe 30 hours a week, and we try to keep busy in life so that we could provide for our family. So we value our job and career. That's one of the common things that we hold dear in our lives and we also have this value of money we value monetary gains and we value our investments we value savings accounts and uh, my wife and I uh, just for the first time uh, 10 months ago our mission board really encourages all missionaries to get something uh, 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 that will be beneficial financially for the retirement years and also for emergency so we signed up for life insurance for the first time in our lives and uh, I'm 36 and she's 34 and man uh, by the grace of God now we're worth something amen and uh, you know we weren't worth anything before but now we're worth something and uh, we thank God for BIMI encouraging us to do this but you know I think all of us have some kind of future plan in making sure that everything will be okay And you might have some insurances for your uh, house or uh, you might have some retirement plans of IRA or Roth IRA. And you're always planning. You want to make sure that you are planning for the future. And some of you might be sitting here this morning, you're in your retirement years. And the reason why is because you have saved up for the last 30, 40 years, and, and you have invested into these retirements so that you could enjoy uh, the, uh, uh, the last years of your lives. And, and I believe that's very wise, and it's very needy. So we do value our job and career, and also money, and we do value materials, don't we? I think ladies might have some different materials that you might enjoy and you cherish in life, and and you hold dear, and I think men have some different values. Uh, I I think we value our tools, and we value our cars, and we value our different gadgets, and I remember going to uh, uh, door knocking when I was in Gardena, California as an assistant pastor. As I was knocking on one street, I noticed one door that was open as I was approaching it. The garage door was actually open, and as I was going into the garage to say hi to this man, I realized that this man was really into motorbikes. Now, he just had maybe five days of work, and now it's Saturday morning. He likes to, you know, uh, get his hobby done, and uh, he wants to enjoy uh, the free day. And uh, so as I approached that garage, I realized that his hobby was motorbikes. And it wasn't just any motorbikes, but it it was Harley-Davidson. And he loved Harley-Davidson, not just one Harley-Davidson, but five (laughs) Harley-Davidsons. I mean, I looked it up in the Internet. I mean, uh, it's about $26,000 for one Harley-Davidson, average one. And he had five of those. I mean, he was pouring his life into these motorbikes. And uh, I think all of us value materials. And we also value time. And uh, because without time, we cannot invest into our work and without time we cannot invest into our family because we have time we could go to work tomorrow because we have time we could treasure our family and we could treasure our vacation time with them and also because there is time we have this church morning service and we get to hear God's word, and we get to sing and praise and have fellowship with other Christians. And, and it's a wonderful gift from God. And, and surely we must recognize that time is a gift from the Lord. And we must cherish them. You don't want to waste them. And I'm sure many of us have said, even this week, I'm wasting my time on doing this. So I'm going to put this aside and, and just try to invest uh, on things that will last a little bit more and, and that, that has more of a value. And we are always prioritizing our schedule all the time because time is of the essence. Time does not wait for us. So these are some of the substances or maybe things that we value and And we have the similarities as humans, and and we value our career, our money, and material, and also time. But as born-again Christian, if you have received Christ as your personal Savior, you must ask this question. You might have a list of things that you prioritize in life and and you value in life, but you must ask this question as born-again believers who, uh, who have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you. You must ask, what does God value? Yes, I know what I value in life and what I'm living for, week to week, day by day, hour by hour, but what does God value? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore we eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. The Bible says in Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I, I think the Bible is very clear that we need to know what glorifies Him and, and uh, uh, we need to also seek His righteousness and also His kingdom. So God must value some things. And uh, we must know what is, uh, 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 His priority is this morning. And because we must, uh, 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 as Christians, always live according to His direction and also His purpose. Because when, you, when we have invited Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that meant, hey, our life has become new. If any man being Christ he is a new creature, all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You know, the worldly people, or the people who are in the world, those people who are lost... You know, they value their jobs, they value their time, they value their money, they value their materials. So as Christians, we need to be different than the world. Yes, we need to make sure that we are uh, having good stewardship of all the things that we share in the beginning of this message, but let us truly ask ourselves, what does God value? Is it just my job? Is it just my time? Is it just my materials? And is it just my monetary gains? Does God truly value those things? I'm a new creature. There must be a better purpose. There must be a higher goal because those things will simply pass away one day. Our jobs, our money, or the things that we love in this world will simply pass away, and, and the Bible is very clear that uh, our life is like a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And we must not love this world. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, Love not the world, neither are things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We must live by the will of God. We must live according to his purpose and what he values the, uh, what he values most, because what we value in this world will simply pass away. The lust of the flesh and, and the lust of the eyes and even the pride of life, the things that you cherish in your own accomplishment, those things will also simply pass away. So what does God value? By the way of introduction, I think we must conclude that he values the Scripture. Scripture. We know that from the word of God that he values his words. Now, why does God value his words? Because his words are eternal. You see, the things that we value, they're temporary. They will simply pass away one day. Yes, God has given them to us, and we need to be good stewards of them. But those things will simply pass away. But the word of God abides forever. The word of God is eternal. Because our God is eternal. And what he values has, is, always has to do with eternity. Because he is an eternal God. And we must conclude that God values things that will impact eternity. And, uh, and scripture is one of them. And the Bible is very clear. Jesus Christ said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. And we know in Psalm, Psalm 119, the Bible says forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. I just read in Isaiah chapter 40, the Bible says, the grass withereth, the flower faded, because the spirit of our Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. And the Bible also says in the next verse, the grass withereth, the flower faded, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Thank God for the Word of God that we hold this morning. The Scripture that we hold today abides forever. That uh, that means we need to live by the book. We must know His commandments. We must follow His instruction. Because one day, the Word of God that we hold today will be rehearsed in all eternity. And I wonder if you're living by the Scripture this morning. Yes, we are saved by the word of God, but are you living by the word of God? Are you continuing in in the word of God? Are you growing in the milk of God's word and also the meat of God's word? Did you get to read it this morning? Did you get to abide in his presence and in his word? So he values His scripture. His scriptures are eternal, but also the souls of people are eternal. The souls of men. As much as the scripture is eternal, the souls of people are eternal because souls of men are from God too. You know, the Bible says in Genesis 2, 7, And the Lord God formed out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. I'm sure you remember the sixth day creation, and on the very sixth day, you know, God created the animals and the creeping things, but also God created man. And as he formed man out of the dust of the ground, I'm sure it was a very beautiful sculpture, very beautiful artwork, but it did not have any value until God breathed into his nostril and that man became a living soul. So where did Adam get his soul? He got it from God. And ladies and gentlemen, as much as Adam God, his soul from the Lord, we have our soul because of him. We don't own our own souls. We don't own our own life. In Ezekiel eighteen four, behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. You see, God claims all souls to be his. Yes, many people are lost. That's why Jesus Christ came down and he died on the cross and shed his blood and he was buried and he rose again the third day so that he could redeem back, buy back the souls that ran away from him. Yes, many people are rejecting Christ, but he claims every soul is to be his. And thank God Jesus Christ died on that cross so that he could redeem men back. He could redeem souls back because they were originally his. That's why he wants everyone to be saved. In 1 Timothy 2, 4, who have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Do we believe that this morning? Do we believe that God wants every single soul to be saved in this world? All 7 billion people. In America and also even in Florida and maybe even in this uh, uh, Miami region, do we believe that God wants every person to be saved? If we do, then we'll do something about it. We won't just sit around and, and, and go to work and, and uh, pay our bills and, and enjoy our materials and our hobbies. We'll do something beyond that. We'll try to reach souls that are lost. We'll have a burden for them. Not only for the community that, that, uh, that God has placed us in, but also for the whole world. There are over 196 countries in the world, and they need the gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And God is very detailed in fulfilling His great commission. And sometimes we might forget about it, and sometimes we might be apathetic, indifferent about the souls of people, but God is never apathetic. God is never indifferent about the souls of people. His passion is to uh, uh, win them all the time. And I think about this small country that was introduced to last year and this island called Nauru. How many have heard of an island called Nauru? Raise your hand. How many have heard of an island called Hawaii? Raise your hand. Oh, that's an easy one, isn't it? Okay. How about Cancun, okay? And uh, I think there are some islands that we are very familiar with, and, and, uh, and we know them because they're vacation spots, and they're in our bucket list, and we want to make sure we get to go there. And, you know, uh, we have these goals. But Nauru is not one of, one of the things that we have in our bucket list. And it's never really heard of. And I heard about this country uh, uh, last year. And it lies in the Pacific Ocean. And it's on the north of the Solomon Islands near Australia. And the island is about 8.1 square miles. It's the smallest state in the South Pacific. And the third smallest state by area in the world. And the amazing fact is this. Within this 8.1 square miles, there are people living in that island. Approximately 10,084 people. And uh, my friends went to a Rams game. The Rams came to Los Angeles about a year and a half ago. How many are excited about that? No, nobody. I'll take that back. But anyways, uh, the Chargers came too. So we don't know what to do with both of these teams. Uh, uh, I think they want the Raiders back. But anyways, uh, my friend went to a Rams game. And uh, I asked him, you know, how many people were there? He said, about 35,000 people. Wow, that's amazing. And in the late Coliseum, you know, uh, did that fill up the whole auditorium? He said, no, I think you probably need about 80,000 people. And I thought to myself, you know, uh, can you imagine the people in Nauru going to a Rams game? I mean, the whole country could go and just fill up the front row. <laughs> and this is how small this country is. Another amazing fact about this country is this. There is a... Independent Baptist missionary there, sharing the gospel to the people in Nauru. You know, we might be scratching our heads. (laughs) Why don't we send more missionaries to China? There's one billion people there. Why not go to India and there's another billion? I mean, the largest unreached people group is Bangladesh. Why don't we send more missionaries there? And there are so many countries with millions and millions of people. Why a small little island called Nauru? You see, it doesn't matter to God if a nation has a billion or 10,000. God's going to send laborers to both of those countries. Why? Because he loves the souls in both of those nations. He loves them all. What a wonderful God that we have. We would have never thought of Nauru, but God thinks about Nauru. God thinks about the islands and and even the tribal groups that we never think about. And God burdens some missionaries to go. And and what a great, wonderful opportunity for us to take part and be involved in this great commission. By the way, if we don't get involved, God will call somebody else. God's not kind of in a panic mode. Oh, if the people of Bible Baptist Church, of the missionaries that are attending in this conference, if they don't do anything about it, I have nobody else to send. He's not doing that. He will fulfill his great commission. It is his will. The question is, do we want to be part of it? Do we want to get involved? God values the souls of men. Do we want to get involved in reaching the souls of people that will live forever and ever because there is a place called hell. I wonder if there's somebody sitting here this morning not saved. You have never received Christ as your personal Savior. And you came here to find an answer. You came here to find the solution for your life. Could I encourage you? Jesus is the answer. He's the truth and the way and the life. Receive him as your personal Savior. He knows your sins and He knows your background. That's why He died on the cross and shed His blood and rising on the third day so that He may give us eternal life. Trust in Him this morning. He sees you as a great, valuable soul. And He loves you this morning. Now, if you have received Christ as your personal Savior, would you prioritize your life according to the things that will impact eternity? Would you take the eternal Scripture to the eternal souls of people that are dying without Christ? Would you do something about it? Would you do something about it in your community? And would you do something about it in the foreign field? Oh, I think about this elderly couple that I met in Moses Lake, Washington. And uh, they have two businesses there, and, and they've been successful at it for the last 30, 40 years. And, and I sat with them over lunch, and, and I asked them what they do, and uh, got to know uh, about their lives and where they're from but toward the end of the conversation he said we're selling our business i said really you're selling your business and they're in their early 70s and i said oh you're going to be entering t- retirement congratulations and I said, yeah well kind of i said what are you doing after you sell your two businesses we're going to go to fiji wow that's a great retirement And that's how I responded. And said, no, we're going to Fiji to help out a missionary. We're going to spend our last of our years there. They're trying to reach the nationals there. We won't be living in the resort area. We'll be living in the, the villages and the towns there. We want to sell our things and help out this missionary that we've known for the last 10 years. We want to give our lives to Christ. I'm not saying that that's for everybody, but I think this couple caught the Great Commission. They caught the vision of reaching souls. How can we keep our heart more compassionate to see the value of souls? Let me just give you three points real quick, and I only have a few minutes left, but the value of souls are priceless. We must recognize that this morning. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, we read it just a moment ago. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? How much is a life worth? By that question, we ask that. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And we come to this question of, you know, how much is a life worth? Is it worth one million or one billion or one trillion? You know, according to... uh, medical studies that one person, one life, is worth about $50,000. That's encouraging, isn't it? $50,000. I mean, a BMW has more worth than me, has more value than me. $50,000. That's it. Health insurance companies say that, hey, if we have poured in $488,000 in the 12-month calendar, For your medical bills, you're not worth insuring. We need to kind of revise and we need to rethink over if you are, you know, insurance worthy. You're terminal, you have cancer, you have dementia. I mean, why are we keeping you alive? Let's just kind of pull the plug here. This is how the world thinks. But thank God our God doesn't see life like that. He sees him priceless. He has never put a price tag on you or me. He never said, oh, this guy's worth $50,000, this lady's worth $100,000, and and this person is worth about $1 million. He has never done that. Because we have more value than any gold, silver, and precious stones of this world. I think about when I was in the Philippines about six years ago, and there's so many people in this world trying to by their soul and trying to have their sins cleansed and try to redeem themselves. And uh, when I was in the island of Boa, I went to the Catholic monastery, and, and it's like a little tourist type of place. And as I entered there, they were, also, they were holding services. And the Filipinos with their pesos. And, uh, you know, uh, their average salary a month is about $100 or so and uh, in U.S. money, but they get their pesos, and, and as they enter, before they enter, they go to this table, and they turn in their pesos for uh, a candlestick, a little tiny candlestick, and, and they have different colors, purple, red, green, and yellow, and I asked a Filipino pastor, pastor, why are these people buying these candlesticks? What do they represent? Well, they buy them, they lit them up, he said, and they put it right on this uh, shelf over here, and they pray over it. And I said, what do they mean? Well, so every candlestick represents different sin. One could be lying, one could be adultery, one could be cheating. And and, uh, so they take these candles every week, and they pay with their pesos so they could have their sins forgiven for that week. And they do it every single week of their lives. Trying to buy their own souls. But thank God our Jesus Christ said when he hung on that cross, it is finished. It's been paid for. But so many people don't know that. There are people in Miami here as well, in Florida. They are trying to have good works, and they're trying to be a good person to go to heaven the same thing as paying pesos. And I want to encourage you to share this good news and let them know that they are priceless in God's eyes and and the only person that could redeem their souls and buy them back is Jesus Christ. Because he paid the ultimate price to die on that cross, to shed his precious blood. And we're not redeemed by gold and silvers of this world. No, we're redeemed by the blood of our Savior. And we need to let people know how priceless they are to God. It took Jesus Christ, God's son, so that they could be redeemed. And secondly, the value of souls keeps us persistent. We need to be persistent. And uh, if they're priceless, we need to be persistent. And I'll just quote this scripture for you in Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us were, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. You know, what is Peter talking about? He was simply saying, hey, Christ is going to come. Because the scoffers were saying, where is the promise of his coming? So he answers that question, he is going to come. But let me give you another promise. As he is tearing his coming, you need to recognize that he is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. As he is tearing his coming, he wants more people to be saved. He is persistent. Yes, they might be rejecting him now, but he is, still, he is always working on them every single day and, and burning their heart about their soul. And, and we must have that same persistence in our heart and let us not just give up on the souls that God has laid our burdens in our hearts for. And, and let us not just simply walk away from them because they have rejected us maybe five or six times. You know... Uh, There are so many people that need second or third or fourth or fifth chances of hearing the gospel, even way more. You know, Paul had his heart just fixed on the Israelites. He said in Romans chapter 9, I'll quote for you, for I I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He said, you know if it's possible i would like to give my life for them so that they could be saved now of course it's not possible that any man could give their own, his own life to redeem another it's not possible but he was talking about substitute now where did he get that heart he got that heart from our savior jesus christ because he is a true substitute but paul was so persistent in trying to see the jewish people saved he said I'll give my own life so they could be saved. I don't know about you, I have never prayed over a soul like that. That means I have a lot more areas of compassion to cover today. I have a lot more areas to grow in reaching souls. So with that in mind, we need to be persistent. And then number three, the value of souls is personal. How personal it must be. In Luke chapter 15, verse 10, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. You know, when thousands of people get saved, Jesus Christ rejoices. But he also rejoices when one gets saved. I think about one soul that's very precious in my heart. And that soul is my father. And my father uh, was almost like an atheist. And he didn't believe in God. And my mom was the first one being saved. Took her children to church. And my dad felt like he was betrayed. And and, uh, just hated everything about church and Christianity. And One time when my mom was reading her Bible at 6 o'clock in the morning, devotion, my dad came by and, and just kicked that Bible across the floor. And he said, stop reading that Bible. He also said one time, When he heard the gospel, why does Jesus need to forgive my sins? I'll take care of my own sins. That's how prideful he was. My mom prayed 10 years for my dad to be saved. Back in 1990, he was uh, going through a lot of extreme dialysis because of diabetes, and he was hospitalized. And my mom called her pastor, pastor, would you come? I know it's about two and a half hours. You probably need to take the train and the buses. But would you come and share the gospel with my husband just one more time? And that pastor came. still thank that pastor today. He's still alive. Every time I see him, I still thank him for him coming to my dad that day. He shared the gospel again to my dad. Amazingly, something else happened, something different. With tears in his eyes, his heart began to tender. After several minutes of hearing the gospel, my dad received Christ as personal Savior. He got saved. Instead of kicking the Bible, he was reading the Bible now. And one time he said, you know, if I get better, I'd like to attend Bible Institute, I'd like to go through the scripture a little bit more in detail. Never got to do that. A year later, after his salvation, the Lord took him home. Back in 1991. But he's in heaven today. Yes, my mom took it personally, a pastor took it personally. But more than them our Savior Jesus Christ, took it personally. When he was kicking that Bible, I believe the Lord was still burning in his heart. Hey, you still need to be saved. I still love you. When he was blaspheming the gospel, I believe the Lord was still speaking to his heart. I still love you. You need to be saved. If there's somebody around you in your workplace. Maybe there's somebody in your family member who's not saved. Maybe they're rejecting you and rejecting the gospel but would you take it personally there are so many people in this world that need to be saved too would you take it personally and 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 commit to faith promise giving yes you may not know them, you may not even see them until you go to heaven but would you take it personally because jesus takes it personally let's pray heavenly father we thank you so much for this morning thank you for pastor kelly uh, for giving me the opportunity to preach this morning behind this pulpit, and I pray that you bless your word into the hearts of these dear people, and uh, giving all the glory and honor to you, and and we get to be involved in the Great Commission and see the value of souls because of you, and this is all for thee, and be glorified and bless the invitation to come, eyes closed and heads bowed, and as the piano plays soon on I want to encourage you to think about your own soul. I wonder if somebody here this morning, you have not received Christ, your personal Savior, and you're not saved. You know, you're not sure if you're going to go to heaven. And you know that in your heart. And you finally realize that Jesus is the answer. You need Him. You need to be saved. He is the truth and the way and the life. I was trying to be religious. I was trying to be a good person to go to heaven. I know that's not the answer. I'll never be perfect. I'm such an imperfect person. I realize now Jesus Christ took my place to die on the cross. And He is my substitute. I need to receive Him. If there's somebody like that this morning and and that is your heart, and that is your prayer. Would you simply raise your right hand to let us know? And, and there's nobody looking around. It's just between you and the Lord. But we'd like to just kind of help you to pray with you. And if that's your heart, I need to receive Jesus. I don't know for sure about heaven, and I want to know for sure. And I know Jesus is the answer. And I need him today. If that's your heart, would you raise your hand? And like that. Just want to make sure. We could have a burden for a mission, but if there's somebody here who's not saved. I think we lost the touch of the priority of missions. Because everywhere we go, if there's a lost soul around us, we're in a mission field. If there's somebody here this morning who's not saved. We're in a mission field right now. And if that's your heart to be saved, you want to receive Christ, would you simply raise your hand? Anyone like all right, if you're saved, you'll receive Christ, your personal Savior. How I many say, dear God, I commit not life in seeing the value of souls and doing something about it. I see how priceless they are, how persistent we must be, and how personal it is to my God. And I, I, I recognize that. And I make a decision today to do something about it, whether faith, promise, giving for the next as you commit to it on Tuesday, and maybe it's about passing out a track at your workplace, maybe inviting a friend that you know or a family member that you know to Bible Baptist Church. You want to do something about the Great Commission. You want to see the value of souls. I mean, say, that is my decision. I want to do something about it. Would you raise your hand? All oh, right, I see some hands. I see some hands. Thank you so much for your courage. May the Lord use you mightily. May the Lord continue to burden your heart. As the piano plays, let us stand together and our pastor will come and finish the invitation. And thank you so much.